Hello, welcome to Do The Franchise. I'm Jake. And I'm James. And we've also got our first official special guest, Ben Wothers. Hello, Ben. Hello, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm uh, I love how we say single-named, but Ben gets a full name. <laughs> it kind of feels like it's breaching some kind of data protection. Ben's, so. definitely, Ben's more special with us. We've invited Ben uh, because he's a huge Marvel uh, movie fan, fan of the comics, fan of the films, and we wanted his perspective on our, on our special episode. So in this episode, we're going to be doing our official Do the Franchise Guide to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, this is going to be to kind of sum up all the films in the best order that you should watch them and to get all them films in and get them all watched before you go and see Avengers Endgame at the end of April. Uh, so it's kind of our version. It's not really, uh, it's it's not official, it's not chronological in any way really, is it? No, no I, I'm guessing the official version is the, this is how we released it version. <laughs> Um, I'm guessing that's how they'd like you to watch it because that's how they get revenue but for us this is how we tell a good story and I think that what I've done with this and I've I've run it past you a few times is that we're going to try and do this from the perspective that each film kind of works in its own timeline but also weaves into the next film and we're going to use the plot devices that the movies use uh, i.e. the Infinity Stones as a way of kind of saying this is the best order to watch them in to get the most out of them. Does that make sense? I think. It does, yeah. 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 Um, has anyone else got anything you want to say on that, on, on the beginning of that, or we have to just jump right into it? No, nope. as premises right. go, that's right pretty solid. Me, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that, is, that is the official intro <laughs> to the first special. <laughs> Teed up. Um, Marvel are calling this, this is after their first 22 films, I think, 21 the Endgame will be the 22nd. That's right, yeah, I've got yeah. it as 21 in my head. I so think. after the 22 films are out, apparently they're dubbing this series the Infinity Saga. Mm-hmm. So that's like 1 to 22, and that's going to be it. And then they're going to obviously re When they start the new phase, that'll be a new set. A yeah, new like newly line. branded. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So that's interesting. Um, so straight in then with number one, I've gone for, not Iron Man, but Captain America the First Avenger. Chronologically makes sense, yeah. Do you I like see that? that. Yeah. I think it works as a really as a good first film. Obviously, it starts in I think it's in like the Arctic somewhere, and they dig up his shield. Yeah, that's right. And, and then it's, like, it's the flashback, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That's correct. It flashes back to World yeah. War Two, and it's like that kind of introduces the movie really well. But not only that, it kind of drops you straight into the world. Yeah. Without you having to kind of have any prior knowledge, mm-hmm. and then obviously through the World War Two storyline, we meet Rogers, we meet the Red Skull, we meet Tony Stark's dad, yeah, Peggy Carter we kind of find out about all of that and it that sort of starts off, I think, in a, in a better way than Iron Man does. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's a good foundation for it as well. And interestingly, the Edward Norton Hulk film mm. has a deleted scene that tied directly into Captain America with yeah, Edward the, Norton. with the ice, isn't it? This is it. He was just walking across like a frozen tundra mm. and you can see just in the background Captain America's shield frozen. So that was how that was always going to link into uh, okay, the first Avenger, that. apparently. Mm-hmm. It's on YouTube. That's so, great. Uh, the official source of everything. Yeah. Well, that, that is cool, because that obviously yeah, we'll probably go into it a bit more mm. when we get to the Hulk films, but the uh, the, the whole super, super soldier serum Yeah, thing. they tie that together yeah, as well, yeah, don't they, in the yeah, MCU. Tim Roth gets roided up. Um, I love Sorry, the tagline. Pumped into his spine at one point. <laughs> Did you know what the tagline for this movie was when it was released? <laughs> so bad. Heroes are made in America. Oh, God. <laughs> it's almost as bad as the bit where Spider-Man like webs across the American flag at the end of the first film. It's yeah, so cringy. It's, it's, yeah, like, it's God, awful. Yeah. It is bad, isn't it? Um, I just put in my notes, read into whatever political subtext you want to with that. 
Um, obviously, this film, by the end of it, well, you kind of you establish the Tesseract, which is the mm-hmm. first Infinity Stone that we see. Yeah. Red Skull steals it from a church in Norway. That's the same village in Norway that they introduced at the beginning of, Hulk, uh, of Thor. Did you know that? No. So there's yeah. a bit in Thor where they flash back to the Frost Giants coming, and obviously I'm yeah. not doing it in chronological order, so I apologise, audience. But when the when the Asgardians come to Earth for presumably the first time, they're in this village where this church is in World just, War II. Just so we're clear, are we giving out a spoiler warning for covering 22 films? Yeah, <laughs> I think that goes without yeah. saying. Yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen all 22 of these films, or at least 20 of them, you're not gonna. Yeah, you're not yeah. gonna. 15? You're not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, then this film ends with. Um, the Tesseract falling into the hands of uh, Tony Stark and S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Uh, gets recovered. Captain America plunges into the ice and is frozen and woken up uh, in modern day. Mm-hmm. And he is introduced to um, Nick Fury, which is the first time we kind of meet Nick Fury in, in what I'm calling our timeline. Yeah, that makes And sense. Fury asks him, you know, to come with him, says everything's fine. And Captain America says something like, I'm, I had a date or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it ends, and you're like, that's it's really cool. Emotional, isn't it? I like that. <laughs> it doesn't need anything else, and that sort of sets us up for what's to come. Um, can I go with number two? Yeah. I put Captain Marvel in at number two. Now, again, chronologically, it makes sense. Kind of, so, yeah, you know. and it's controversial, this, because you can't actually watch this one unless you go to the cin- cinema. So if you're hoping to do a sort of Avengers marathon in your own home, you're going to struggle with Captain Marvel. Yeah, it'll don't just download leave a it illegally. It. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, don't torrent. Nobody torrents these days. So. <laughs> um, I, obviously, this film serves as a sort of setup for a really powerful um, superhero, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers. It also serves as a introduction and origin for Nick Fury, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, James, who's looking at me now from across the table, hasn't seen Captain Marvel. No. And obviously, a lot of people might not have because it's the one that you're supposed to go and see before you see Avengers Endgame. I'm putting it at number two. Controversially, it can go at number 21. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense. Based on my knowledge of Captain Marvel outside of the MCU, it makes sense that this would be number two. And uh, the reason I've not seen it is, for listeners at home, I've been avoiding all trailers. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that means I have to avoid all films. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't want to see a trailer in the cinema. You could go in late, couldn't you? I could do. I could do, but I'd always be worried about mistiming it. So I'm avoiding trailers for Endgame. Yeah, fine. Which, obviously, there will be a lot of trailers around. Especially now, where it's on the telly. Everywhere. Yeah, Yeah. on the TV. Uh, so obviously Captain Marvel, and I've only I've told James about this, so it's not really a spoiler alert as such, but a big part of what makes Captain Marvel Captain Marvel is that we are introduced again to the Tesseract from Captain America. Yeah. And I thought that would be a cool way of linking them together in that you've seen it in Captain America, it mm-hmm. went into the sea, it got recovered at the end. Now it's in a facility um, run by a Cree alien slash scientist slash yeah. person. Um, and they use the Tesseract to develop, is it like interdimensional travel, interdimensional flight? Yeah, that's flight? right, is it? Um, it's something like light speed technology, yeah. light speed warp drives and or something like that. this is what sparks the whole plot, isn't it, for yeah. the Kree and the Skrulls coming to Earth, they're after this object, the yeah. great power, and we find out it's the Tesseract. And you find out that Carol, Captain Marvel, gets that power from the Tesseract, so again, it sort of like weaves them two together really yeah. well. It's also good what they do with the Skrulls, because they're always, like historically, they've been the bad guys, like yeah. every skull is inherently evil within kind of Marvel's yeah, universe. They and kind of flipped that on its head, don't exactly. they? Exactly, and it Marvel. was really good to see when they did it as well. Like yeah. Ben Mendelsohn did it perfectly. He's yeah. brilliant in everything, though, isn't he? He's yeah. so good in everything he's in. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it too much. Again, because of people that haven't watched it on the podcast, listening to us, and James, 
who's next to me in the room. But uh, what will happen at the end is this kind of serves as a setup for the Tesseract being in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s hands. Specifically, Nick Fury gets it, given yeah. to him at the end, which kind of sets up later events. We also get this idea. Again, Carol Danvers goes off into space. We don't see her again, which again explains what we don't see her until now uh, in, in the Avengers Endgame trailers yeah. and stuff yeah. like that that we're going to see it. Um, and and Nick Fury see and and this is the only spoiler I'll give you, James. Nick Fury sees on the side. Is it Carol's plane? The name of her her yeah, her. Ta- right. yeah. I don't even know what you would call it. Uh, maybe a squadron. A squadron oh, name. Mm. Yeah, and it I says so much about. It the says so. <laughs> well, I guess like a squadron. It says Carol the Avenger. Bring someone in as a special guest. It's <laughs> not my area of expertise. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't prep Ben for that one. It says Carol the Avenger, yeah. Danvers, and I love that. And yeah. that's where Nick gets the idea to set up the Avengers. Does he just weirdly have a photo of her on a desk though? Yeah, that's does, an odd yeah. thing to have with somebody that's he has the other side of, of her space, when she's so. much younger on his desk. Not oh. much younger, but <laughs> relatively young. Yeah. So. Um, we're going to jump into number three, if that's all right, because I'm aware that we've got 22 films, 21 films to discuss. Uh, I'll put Iron Man at number three. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, Iron Man was originally the first film in the MCU, introduces Tony Stark, but I think that now we know about Fury, we know about Danvers, we know about his dad, we know about Captain America... When you get to Iron Man 1 and it introduces Tony, you kind of laugh and go, oh, he's he's like a bit of a playboy dickhead like his yeah. dad was. Yeah. And I think that works really well for a storyline. Like you can kind of see, oh, he's dad. Yeah. And then he's exactly the same as his father. But he's just like, yeah, the apple's not fell far from the tree. Um, also, then you get to see Tony become Iron Man using the arc reactor, which interestingly enough, apparently links to the Infinity Stones because... Apparently, and I'm not sure how true this is, this is more sifting through internet rumours and, and wikis, but the arc reactor that Tony has in his chest that his dad developed in like the 60s or whatever oh, it was. Oh, I might have seen this. He, was taken his, from a plan of the Tesseract yeah. or something like so that's that. That's why it's yeah. blue and glows with like yeah. the Tesseract. So he makes it from the energy that he re- he um, researches. So like how Hydra are powering their weapons. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, yeah. That makes Stark sense. makes an energy source out of it and that is the, 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 the arc reactor, the big one. in hindsight, when you look at Captain Marvel as well, mm. they create... Or they're trying to create that that kind. I can never remember. What it's it is, a light speed engine. Yeah, this is yeah. it. They're trying to create that power source to fuel the ship. So I suppose it's not Stark that much of a jump that, yeah. exactly to make an arc reactor out of it. Yeah, that does make sense. I love that though, and and I'm going to talk about it later probably. But in in Iron Man two, Tony obviously has issues with his arc reactor, and he develops a new one. And do you mm-hmm. know that what he uses to make his arc reactor? He puts a little piece of metal in a vise and uses a laser to make it. Do you remember that bit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's um, a little bit of vibranium. Apparently. Ah, because yeah. it palladium they originally yes. used or something. Yeah, and, and he uses another it. element, which yeah. is vibranium. Yeah, he, oh, I thought it was really he cool. creates a new element. Out of it? vibranium yeah. and tesseract energy. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, they do it as like smashing atoms together, don't they? It looks like yeah. a mini Yeah, like a particle or accelerator yeah. or something like that, yeah. Uh, Iron Man's just brilliant anyway, isn't it? Like, it's such a good film. Probably one of my favourite ones in the sequence still, like in all of them. It's just so cool. It's such a good one-off film. It's also crazy to think how much has spanned from yeah. a film that they could have never even imagined no. would explode in the way no, that it absolutely. did. That was an independent film when yeah. it was made because Marvel weren't owned by Disney at that point. No, they were using they, Paramount. Yeah, yeah. Paramount yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 and yeah. They, Marvel pretty much self-funded that. So if it yeah. flopped, and that's why, I, as well as him being just brilliant, that's probably why they had to use Robert Downey Jr. at the time because apart from his ridiculous insurance that he probably needed <laughs> to make sure he'd actually turn up on set uh, he was he was 
probably the only person that would have wanted to take on such a risky yeah. project. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I love that then at the end of this film, and again, I'm kind of using the post-credit sequences, if you've not noticed, to kind of link them together. So I think that's the best way of doing it. Wait, what? There's a theme to this? Yeah, there's a theme. There's a running theme. Just pick them out at random and hope yeah. for the best. I didn't do a Tom Bono on a Marvel film. Um, and then I put, because obviously at the end of this film, Iron Man, Tony goes back to his home and he sees Nick Fury in his house. Yeah. And Fury introduces himself to Stark and those of the audience. And then he says, you think you're the only superhero in the world. Because in our timeline now, we've obviously seen this would be our third film. We already know that Danvers and, and, and Steve yeah. Rogers exist. And I thought that was nice. It's like, who's he talking about? Oh, he's talking about Captain America. Yeah. Ah, the Captain other thing is, simultaneously to this is that Thor's also running because there's a reference, I think it's from Colson at one point where he goes, there's a situation in New Mexico that I need to attend to. Yeah. And then disappears for like a period two, amount of time. I, think. Yeah. I can never remember. It's when Shields yeah, are kind of announced as the ridiculous it, name, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's in two because... Um, he is still, he's suffering with the palladium yeah, poisoning yeah, yeah. and he's basically under house arrest yeah. from S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, and so, then Samuel Jackson says, you think you're, I've got bigger fish to fry than you in the South region, yeah. talking about Thor. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's clever, isn't it? It's so, it is, from such an early point to yeah. know that they were going to build this interlinked. Because this has a name, doesn't it? Is it like the Marvel Week or something like that? Because this is where all of Phase 1 take place in like a week I think yeah. Probably, a week yeah. of each other and it's branded yeah, yeah, yeah. as like the magic Marvel week or something and yeah. all the heroes pop up exactly because it kickstarts <laughs> everything and they all follow on from pretty much one after the yeah. other I'm it's going to number four now yeah with <laughs> the Incredible Hulk which forgive me you don't have to watch it I know it's not the fan favourite and yeah. I know that I'm uh, if anyone does love this film and I apologise if you do message into the podcast send us a message on Twitter because I want to know if it's your favourite one I've yet to meet anybody who thinks that Incredible Hulk is their favourite film Jake's essentially saying at this point the Incredible Hulk <laughs> is terrible prove me wrong <laughs> so just to reinforce yeah, yeah. this I'm pretty sure the Hulk uses two halves of a car as boxing gloves in this film which you know what, yeah. is just ridiculous I'm going to turn um, this to you because you haven't seen what I'm looking at on my Mac I have that fantastic. picture <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I remember seeing that thinking that just looks a bit silly the, 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 <sighs> it's a problem when the highlight of your movie is someone moaning about having superpowers yeah yeah <laughs> Versus, versus someone who's actually quite engaging, Tim Roth, who mm. loves having superpowers yeah. and is is a lot more interesting, sorry, than Ed Norton. Oh, yes, he really he is. He's a much better uh, character in that And film. up until the point he becomes uh, abomination, abomination. Mm. and then it's just a CGI fest, which you don't really mm-hmm. care about because yeah. they're both essentially the same character. Yeah. Um, just one slightly paler and more bony than the yeah. other. So. Like, yeah, you, it's a bit strange. With Iron Man, you had a big bigger Iron Man yeah. fighting against regular sized Iron Man this is just two incredible Hulks yeah I agree with that, that. incredible and yeah. I, ben, ben and me have had this discussion before but the, the Marvel got better at their villains they kind of get worse yeah. Yeah. then they get better again yeah. you can tell the minute they kind of hit I mean like, well, I guess we'll discuss it yeah, later we will, on, yeah. but there's a yeah. point in phase probably right at the beginning of phase 3 where they just go actually directors just do what you want with it see what happens yeah. so, um, just before we yeah, move sorry. on because we started talking about this a bit before we recorded yes, we did, yeah. I, I think we're talking about phase one Marvel there's there's technically a phase, phase 0.5 <laughs> I think Ang Lee's 
a Hulk is linked <laughs> to, the to, the, to the MCU like a limpet that won't let go because at the end of that film he goes to Brazil and then we pick up in, in Brazil in Brazil so are, so they, weird, are they the same it? story is it the same character and why do, all of a sudden does Hulk not care about Betty anymore I'm just confused it's just weird isn't it because <laughs> it was so odd with all those comic book panels like scrolling across the screen and just the ever growing Hulk and he ends up like a million foot tall by the end of it so. It's going to be controversial. Angling... I'm, I think the Angling one's better. Oh, that, <laughs> is that is controversial. Uh, <laughs> Jake's now saying Angley Hulk is better than the Incredible Hulk. Prove me wrong. Fight me. <laughs> Fight me, James. Um, is it Angley's Hulk where he, he ends up in the rain and just shouts at the storm, or is that Incredible Hulk? I think that might be Angley's one because it's where those weird dog things yeah. come and fight him. Yes, Who's it is Angley's Hulk. Yeah, yeah. It is. It just, Hulk yells at the storm in the hope that it might be quiet. <laughs> the villain, <laughs> we're going off topic so bad here, but the villain, I think, is the absorbing man, isn't it? I think it's yeah. meant to be, but it's his dad, isn't it's, it? It's or Nick Nolte. Like that. Yeah. It's Nick Nolte. There's no real character link there. It's Nick Nolte. <laughs> it's supposed to be I'm absorbing some weird dog things. So. <laughs> I don't think they gave Nick a script. <laughs> they just filmed Nick Nolte over the weekend which is the worst script then Nick Nolte in Ang Lee's Hulk or Mickey Rourke in Iron Man 2 because <laughs> 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 he just repeatedly says the word bird in a bad Russian accent so. I'm going to talk about that in bird. two seconds but I've put in here the only thing that really links them and I think it does a good job of linking them is that Incredible Hulk uh, like you said earlier Banner uses the serum yes. the Captain yeah. America serum from uh, Dr. Ernst Erskine whatever his name is and that's what um, he injects himself with it and then he uses gamma rays to activate it, which doesn't work. It turns him into the Hulk and you're like, oh, okay. So that's like him using the technology from yeah. World yeah. War II to try and bring it into the military. And that's why he's got that link to the military. So I like that side of it. That's quite cool. Was it beta rays they used in Captain America? Because yeah, I remember it always being different. It was on yeah. in that little coffin thing. Like, yeah, yeah, he gets put in that coffin thing yeah. and Tony Stark's dad zaps him with some that's beta right, yeah. rays or whatever. Yeah. Blackout Brooklyn for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously then the end of Hulk, we get a little strange post credit scene where Tony walks into a bar. It sounds like a really bad joke. Does, Tony <laughs> walks into a bar and confronts Thunderbolt Ross about the Avengers Initiative. Yeah. That's kind of that. And it's like, oh, they're linked. Yeah. yeah. And it's quite cool because later, obviously, it's Tony that comes in with Thunderbolt Ross. Yes, yeah, he, does. he brings him in, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cool link. Um, Iron Man 2, number five. No argument there, right? That's got to be there. Yeah, that makes sense. It has to be there because it, it tells a story. Um, <laughs> Not sure what that story is. About a bird. About a bird. <laughs> about a bird. Yeah. Um, my bird. Yeah. I, I think I sounded bird. Indian then. I didn't really sound <laughs> Russian. That was my attempt at Russian. Again, I think... The, bad, the main bad guy, obviously, Mickey Rock, not that interesting. No. no. But he had so much promise, though, didn't he? He, he, he did, but... The one that comes out on top, and I forget his name. It's not Justin Hammer, is Justin it? Hammer. Yeah. Justin Hammer. He is yeah. Sam Rockwell plays Sam Rockwell. that part so well. <laughs> he's great, though, isn't he, Sam Rockwell? Yeah. He's brilliant in everything. And he's, he's just a fantastic... What Tony Stark would be if Tony Stark wasn't actually good at his job. Yeah, yeah. I get um, that, totally, 100%. There's a few references to what's come before. You see Tony's relationship with his father. His father invented S.H.I.E.L.D., we find that out. Yeah. Um, there's references to the Tesseract when he's looking through the logbook yeah. and there's a picture of the Tesseract in the logbook which I thought was yeah. a nice link again to the to the wider MCU apparently um, there's also a reference to Wakanda in this as well is there? it's listed there's a map apparently in Tony Stark's dad's stuff yeah. that's got places highlighted I can't remember why 
but Wakanda's one of them, and I don't know. It's on well, the that's map. Where he gets Africa. The, that's where he gets the metal from. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. yeah that vibranium makes sense. from. I I found a good one. I've written it down in my notes. Where um, if you look really carefully, when Stark creates uh, like crowbars, open his crate of mm. goodies for his hydron collider that he builds. On the side of the collider, it says Project Pegasus. Yeah, which yeah. is the name of the uh, Tesseract Energy Project that oh, yeah. NASA and that is good. Shield were. And you're like, they put that in there in what, like 2008, 2010. Yeah. Brilliant. They knew that two or three years later they were going to be doing that in Avengers. And like, that's yeah. really clever. Yeah. It's really good. And obviously, I think Iron Man 2, more than any of the other ones so far, sets up lots of other characters. Like, it sets up Black Widow, it sets up Fury, it sets up Coulson. Sets Rhodey up as well. Rhodey it sets yeah. up, yeah. Mm. And it sets up Thor at the end, because in the post-credits we see Thor's hammer in the desert. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it does a lot of work in a small... I think it's, it's a little bit all over the place for me, yeah. Iron Man 2. I don't dislike it. I don't think it's very strong as a film. No, but it is. A, it's a good flick. It's a good popcorn flick. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you can watch it. You can enjoy it. I remember it for uh, how do I piss in my suit like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, I remember it for. I, forgot about that. <laughs> I remember it for Tony eating donuts. Yeah, and the Nick calling so. down. <laughs> do ask me. I'd so say, yeah. There, there are the, the jokes in that film. Land and land really well. Yeah. I think everything Downey does like that lands yeah. well. Downey does that. I think when you time you get to Iron Man two, and it's strange because it's only his second outing as Stark. Yeah. Especially when we get to the first Avengers film, he's got that down, Annie. Like, yeah. He's so yeah. good at that role. That role is what he was born to. to oh yeah, hundred percent. Like he is Tony Stark. Yeah. And it's weird when you see interviews with him. He's just it's just him. It's just yeah, how course, he is. Yeah. There's uh, a bit in in Homecoming where there's a picture of Tony Stark. Uh, like a press release picture of Tony, and it's actually a press release picture of Robert Downey Jr. from one of the uh, one of the press events from. Fantastic. <laughs> Years ago. Yeah, and it's it's brilliant. It's just like you are Tony. This is great. Um, number six. Yeah. Then we'll move on to number six. Thor, the first Thor, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Um, again, I'm a big fan of this film, and a lot of people I know a lot of people aren't fans of this film, which I think you know. Fuck yourself. <laughs> I, c- I, I could see the blonde eyebrows putting people off. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you've a got really blonde eyebrows, haven't you? Mine are naturally blonde. Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Get dyed. So. <laughs> I, I think even they've said, haven't they, that they regret the, the yeah, blonde eyebrows. Weird. And, they do. Um, I think one of the biggest <clears throat> critics of this film is probably Natalie Portman. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's not happy about any of these, is she? <laughs> she's not very good in these. Well, she just I, lacks conviction. She lacks conviction, <laughs> and I mean, we will come back to. Thor, the dark hole in the MCU. Um, <laughs> but in that film, there, there are there are scenes where you see genuine connection between Jane Foster and Thor, and those are the scenes that were reshoots yeah. with uh, Chris Hemsworth's wife. His wife. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. That's great, isn't it? In a wig. And those were the most believable scenes. I never knew that was a thing. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have any kissing or intimate scenes because they couldn't do it with each other because they just couldn't take each other seriously. Brilliant. And they didn't like each other very much. I love stuff like that, though, yeah. in movies. I honestly think as far as, like, as far as phase one kind of, kind of like origin films go, this could be one of the better ones. Yeah, and mm. Anthony Hopkins is fantastic. Oh it? god, yeah. he's so good. And Hiddleston's brilliant yeah. as well. Doctor yeah. Selvig, played by uh, I can never remember. Is it still in Scars? Still in Scars, I think he's yeah. fantastic. Um, the girl who plays the intern, who's in Two Broke Girls, who I'm going to really struggle uh, now. Is she called Cats. Cats. Cat Dennings. I think it's Cat Dennings. Yeah, that maybe. Yeah. She's our brilliant. legendary record for research continues. <laughs> yeah. <it does. laughs> but that whole thing, and that had the Branagh does the Branagh does the Asgardian Shakespearean. Yeah. 
Tragedy it's got a very thespian element to it, it does, when you yeah. think about yeah. it. Uh, I'll just put by the end of this film, yes, we were introduced to Hawkeye, we were introduced to Dr. Selvig, and then we see Nick Fury again, yeah. right at the end of Thor, and he introduces um, Selvig to the Tesseract project, which yeah. they weren't doing at Project Pegasus. And you see Loki again. Yeah, Loki's yeah. looming in the shadows, um, and he's going after the Tesseract, and that links us perfectly to number seven. The Avengers. The Avengers, yeah. yeah. Marvel's The Avengers, or in the UK, stupidly, Avengers Assemble, which I hate. Yeah, I, I hate don't that get title. That. Oh, it's because of The Avengers with Sean Connery, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I went and bought the American version when it came out on Blu-ray, because I couldn't stand to have the stupid Great. English version with Avengers Assemble written on it. I Brilliant. thought it just sounded uh, daft. And now you buy everything digitally and don't unbox us. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was before. These <laughs> were in the olden days, too. problem anymore. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the first big one really. Uh, Avengers is the one that they've all been building to, and I think that Thor fits in well before it because of that little post-credit scene. Yeah. The fact that they've introduced essentially the most powerful member of the Avengers last. Mm. Then we do the Avengers instead of doing Captain America afterwards. I think that makes sense to put Cap at the top, yeah, yeah. and work down to Thor and then Avengers. That he's also sense. like the heart of the Avengers <clears throat> when you look at it. Like objectively, he's the one that gives it the soul, that passion. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Avengers. I don't think we could spend much time on this because we can't. We'd be here all day. Yeah. What a film it is, and it's the first big film to bring in that many co- elements, that many yeah. characters, that many actors, and obviously Endgame coming out at the end of April is going to be the film that's now done that to the to a god knows how much yeah. of a degree, like a yeah. hundred times bigger than this. I think the the difference between say this Avengers film yeah. and the ones that come after it. Not only was this a really good film, it mm. fixed a bunch of stuff, fixed the Hulk. Yeah. yeah, it did. Yeah, Hulk's perfect now. Yeah, Ruffalo is yeah. so good in the Avengers. Yeah, like, perfect. Uh, fixed it? Thor for anyone who had problems with Thor. For me, I think this was the first time you start to see him having fun with Hulk and his stuff eyebrows like that. were a good color. His eyebrows seemed natural. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got Stark's quipping still. Stark's yeah. quipping. Um, <laughs> Captain America isn't just a puppet of the military. Yeah. He's actually a, a, a a thinking for himself. Yeah, he shows real so independence in it, doesn't this, he? This film... Other than his costume. Other than his costume, <laughs> which, it's yeah. A weird spandex costume, isn't it's it? The, <laughs> it's the most... I've got a picture of it here if you want to have a look. It's the most comic booky costume of all comic booky costumes odd. I've yeah. ever seen. I, it's so strange, isn't it? I love, though, that they, they do... They do recognise that because there's that scene where he's giving instructions and the military personnel go, why should I listen to you? And then he takes out a few shatari. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, no. yeah. Mm. He gets his um, rubber helmet thing that he has on, which hasn't got the wings on it, which is a bit annoying. Yeah. But it gets ripped off um, during the Battle of New York and then he's just Chris uh, Evans. And I like that better. Chris Evans with a dirty Captain America suit, for me, looks more authentic, looks better. Yeah. He looks cooler. I do like... The, the masked kind of hero yeah. look like I think from a comic book perspective yeah I find it odd like I find it weird that Thor doesn't wear his helmet he does in he does the, the beginning very beginning of Thor, of Thor but, he does have a helmet in Ragnarok for a bit yeah, yeah. but like in, like that helmet's almost iconic it's synonymous with the outfit and it's just odd that he never wears it after that yeah, yeah after odd. he does his weird little twirly thing I guess he would have tried it yeah. screen tested it and it wouldn't have gone down well it is blonde eyebrows yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I put by the end of this um, movie, the Avengers assemble to def- defeat Loki and Tesseract. They get the Tesseract and his magic mind control stick off him. Um, that goes to S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Tesseract goes with Thor, who takes mm-hmm. Loki back to Asgard for sentencing. And then the Avengers disband, and that's that kind of thing now. I, I like with this that there's the most Robert Downey Jr. thing to do ever, in that he kept eating on set and kept getting them confiscated, so he started hiding 
I think it was packets of blueberries around yes. the set and starts just eating them in the middle of the filming <laughs> to the point where Joss Whedon just gave up telling tell him to stop. So, That's why they're eating blueberries. Yeah, so he just sees randomly just eating packets of blueberries throughout various scenes around S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's just because he wanted to eat his blueberries. So Perfect. I, all, the, all the character work they do in Avengers is brilliant. Joss yeah. Whedon is a... He's a genius. Yeah, he really yeah. is genius. And and Pete, I know he had his, his ups and downs with Marvel, but my God, this film's good. And if this film didn't work for me, that's sort of it. Yeah, that, yeah. they would have lost that. They yeah, this have is the real cornerstone of, of the yeah. MCU. DC isn't it? rings a bell yeah. with, uh, Justice, with League. Justice League. If you yeah. can't do it right and you do it badly, you're you lose your audience. You're you're screwed. Yeah, this yeah. film was so good at making you care for every single character, including yeah. what could be minor ones like Coulson. Yeah. Mm. Coulson became like the linchpin of why he's the main focus yeah. of the Avengers. But he's, him, he's yeah. so minor in every other respect, mm. yeah. but he became yeah. the launch pad where I think DC would have made it Captain America, it would yeah. have made it Batman, would have yeah. made it a big character that did that. Yeah. But in yeah. this film, they're brave enough to make it a little character that you might not care about, but you actually end up caring about yeah, a lot 100%. more. Yeah. I think the best thing, and I'm going to sum this up kind of before we move on to the next movie, but I think that the thing that it works is if you put Loki in the middle as the villain, and he's brilliant in it, mm. Tom Hiddleston, each character has that, there's a spiderweb effect where each character in the movie gets their one-on-one with Loki. Yeah. And there's not many movies that do that really well, like Thor and him obviously have their previous anyway. He gets that moment with Black Widow, he gets a moment with Banner, he gets a moment with um, Captain America where they fight yeah, each other he gets yeah. a moment with Iron Man where they quip at each other like he, he literally gets a moment with each of the main characters and I'm like that's brilliant Yeah, that's all you need to do is write a script like that and it works so well um, where are we going next Jake? Marvel's phase 2 begins after Avengers and I've put us straight in at number 8 with the Dark World Thor they, what did you call it earlier? Yeah, the Dark Hole of the MCU <laughs> uh, yeah oh, fair enough so, discuss I <coughs> Controversial, but this isn't bottom of the pile for me. No, I'd say it sits firmly in the middle of. Okay, kind of firmly in the middle somewhere. I think that people needed a, a bad film to just pick this one for some yeah. reason. Like, you cannot <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. If if you're yeah. reviewing films and you say every Marvel film is good, there becomes that uh, that kind of element of bias towards yeah. them. Yeah, no, so you need a bad film. So you just make an example of Thor: The Dark World. So it starts with Loki being bought. But- or his father at Asgard. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we get the flashback to the Dark Elves and the Ether, which is our second Infinity Stone. Yeah. Again, brings us back to the central focus, the through line of the, the through narrative of these stones being uh, popping up across the universe. It's cosmic. It's in space. Most of the film, it comes to Earth for a bit. Um, Loki is brought before his father for sentencing, goes to prison for his crimes on Earth, which I think is great. And I think that's the best place to put it. Yeah. Straight after they take him back to Asgard, put Thor next. Yeah. And you can watch... Thor's story continue from Avengers. Yeah, straight on. And I've also then, I'm going to skip us through to number, because I don't really want to dwell on this too much, but I'll skip us to number nine as well at the same time. We go to Guardians of the Galaxy straight after. Yeah. And with that, we stay in space. We stay in the cosmic MCU element. Yeah, because the Earth, quick stop at the London Tube. A quick stop on a tube. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the best part of that yeah, film. Yeah, that's my favourite part. <laughs> or with Mjolnir just chasing it around between all the, uh, I forget what they call them, the portals that they uh, go oh, between. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it, with them just whipping between it. Again, it's kind of got a forgettable villain, but I do like the elves. I think the dark elves are cool. They have to be in it because they're in, they're yeah. very iconic to, yeah. his, uh, to Thor's comic book. Yeah, they're a big story. villain for it, especially, um, what's he called? The guy that Christopher Eccleston mm-hmm. plays. Malachi. Yeah, yeah. 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 They he's in the comics a lot. Another Infinity Stone in the Reality Stone, which we don't really find out. The ether's viscous, isn't it? And mm. at the end of the movie, they show us that it is an Infinity Stone. It's one of the six stones. 
the Asgardians capture it in a yeah. little box and they take it to the collector uh, and they tell the collector that we've already got a stone on Asgard, Tesseract. And then the audience go, ooh. And then they say, Ether is also a stone, but we don't want to keep them together, so you yeah. need to keep it. And yeah. then that sets up for what happens with it later. It's weird, isn't it, when you look at it like... <clears throat> The stones were never designed to be their own plot points by themselves. Because in all the comics, you'd never got individual stones working separately. No. But as far as... Like, when you think about it, and this is being really pedantic to a degree, but you look at what the reality stone's capable of in Infinity War, and I know that's jumping ahead, Yeah. and you look at what it does in... The Dark World. Yeah, it's just like blocking the sun out. Like, it just wants to send the universe into darkness, which I know is reality, but it doesn't really make sense. No, you feel like it's been bolted on a little bit. The, and yeah. I wonder if that was something that they decided halfway through production. Yeah, I do wonder that. This is what we need to do. We need. We need to. We need to yeah, we need to fit this plot point in quick. Yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy number nine. <sighs> I love so this good. film. Yeah. I absolutely. From the moment he kicked that lizard. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. <laughs> it's definitely. It's definitely one of the not just one of the best of these films. I think it's one of the best films of the decade when it came out. I absolutely yeah. love yeah. it. Everything about it. I really like the Indiana Jones feel to that first yep. part, like yeah. that kind of that intro scene there, 100%. where he's walking through the old tomb and he's got his little gadgets. But ultimately, it's just it Peter was, Quill. Of our stuff, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just Peter Quill being Peter Quill. Yeah, being a bit silly and sarcastic with everybody. Yeah, and so. it's it's like they got all the best bits, like you just said, of Indiana Jones, all the best bits of Star Wars, all mm-hmm. the best bits of like Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek, and all these silly elements, and they just put them into one big film. Yeah, and it works. I, one of the reasons I love that we're doing this kind of special is I would hate I I hate the feeling that certain people of a certain age came to Star Wars through the prequels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think I think having an order to watch them in is great. And I think this is as you say, this is now we're in space. Thor Dark World dealt with the idea of, you know, space adventures being a thing. It wasn't yeah. just they were in the sky above us, they were in space. Yeah, they're different and, planets. And, and different planets. Different worlds. And this continues that. And this continues that. So that that's definitely cool. Yeah. The great thing with this and when you look at space is that each planet has its own identity. Like each planet is visually different. And yeah. it's really creative totally in how different. it does it, yeah. Yeah, really, like, visually attractive to look at, I think. We introduced to the Power Stone, which mm-hmm. is another, I think it's the third now, the third Infinity Stone we see in the MCU so far. It's the Purple Stone. It's inside the orb, which is an object that Quill acquires at the beginning of the film. And then it's, the whole film sort of serves around this MacGuffin. Yeah. That lots of cosmic characters are after this, um, this stone, including the man we saw at the end of Avengers, we didn't mention, uh, the big purple man in the chair, Thanos. Yeah. who really at the end of Avengers is, is a nobody to people that don't know comics. No one really knows who he is, why he sent Loki to Earth to get the Tesseract. We then see him in, a, in Guardians for the first time in his full form. And even then, I had to whisper to my wife and tell her who he was. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing with Thanos at the, end, at the end of Avengers, it's the same kind of transformation yeah. from that Thanos to Infinity War as Edward Norton got to Mark Ruffalo. They just look yeah. completely different. They're, 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 not, the same, they're not the same CGI mesh at all. Yeah. It's totally different. Um, it, it, but it still, that Avengers Thanos still looks a thousand times better than... Henry Cavill's moustache. Henry Cavill's moustache. <laughs> That's the second and, podcast you've mentioned that in now, so you can get that in every week. And Steppenwolf. Like, oh. like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Right. Yeah. Because I love Guardians, I'm going to park it. I'm just going to leave it yeah, and say yeah. Guardians at number at number nine. We're not going to tell you about it. If you haven't watched it, what's wrong with you? Yeah, you're missing it. out. You're really yeah. seriously third Infinity Stone down. Number ten, I'm going to put Iron Man three. Okay. 
I think it takes us back to Earth. Iron Man 3 did officially kick off Phase 2 when it came out. I think it was the first one of all of these. Yeah, because it was the second Marvel film to gross like a billion dollars or something, wasn't it? It was basically Iron Man 3 was the immediate follow-up to Avengers. But I'm going to ignore that. We're going to do Thor, Guardians, then we do this. Because I think this one, you see that time has passed. Tony's got sort of anxiety and depression after the... PTSD, isn't it? Yeah, PTSD after what happened in New York. He's saying flashbacks to the portal opening in New York and then the aliens. Mm. He's also building loads and loads of suits frantically in case the aliens come back, which I think is a really yeah. cool point. And then his plot unfolds from something from his past, comes back to bite him in the future, and it's about the Mandarin, but not Mandarin. Yeah. I like it. I think it's a cool film. I, I, think it's I a, like the film. It's a big departure from what's come before. It's tonally and thematically different to Iron Man 1 and 2, and I think that needed that. Needed to be different. Yeah, I, I I love the that the whole aspect of Tony working without his suit. Yeah, on his uh, own. Uh, I think you get a whole almost like a Mission Impossible vibe when he's yeah. sneaking up on people and mm. using bits of his tech that he can sort of salvage. Yeah, he like puts that, the little ring thing from his Iron Man glove on his hand and it burns his hand and yeah. he has to throw it off. I like that. Yeah. Think things like that are cool. And like you say, I think this order works better than this being straight after Avengers because yeah. like. Avengers, yes, and then you have fun with Guardians in space, and then you can go and do PTSD with Tony, who yeah. has kids. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> that weird kid from Jurassic Park. It's yeah. Really irritating, <laughs> so, or Jurassic World, even. So, um, <laughs> and obviously, this film, I think it's just a nice departure. I think you need to see what Tony's been up to since it kind of stands on its own. Iron Man three, whether you love it or hate it, it doesn't really feed into the wider Marvel storyline, yeah. but it does set up things like it sets up um, the Iron Legion that Tony's got all these suits that can work independently it's I think it sets up the summer, this, the suit that he can summon to himself yeah. which he does in this one for yeah because he injects time. himself doesn't he with he the puts things? little uh, little detectors like, in, his, yeah. in his arm yeah. doesn't he and it can summon the uh, bits of the suit start with the bleeding edge stuff that we yeah see it's like on. a precursor to what he's going to do later on yeah. in other films you look at some of the stuff in this though and it was just instantly undone by Age of Ultron yeah, yeah. like the arc reactor gone. It's all right. We'll just stick it in the suit. Yeah. Yeah. War machine being uh, the Iron Patriot. That's all right. We'll be done with that. Yeah. Yeah. They do it for one film. <laughs> yeah. Scrap exactly. Because well, he kind of gets defeated, doesn't he? The Iron Patriot gets so. stolen, doesn't it? Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, for a really old film, but it's it is a, a good film, and it's nice that uh, Marvel have a Christmas film. Yeah. Yeah. Shane Black film, Christmas film. <laughs> he the, always the same does thing. Christmas films. Um, and I'm just the, glad he didn't mess it up like he did with the Predator sequel. <laughs> did, so. I said then we have a really funny moment in the post-credit scene, completely different to all of the post-credit scenes that we've had in the other movies. This is Tony spilling the events of the movie in a chair to Bruce Banner, who has fallen asleep yeah. in his chair listening to Tony. And it's kind of like a pun saying that they're still really good friends yeah. and they hang out together. But sorry, guys, you're not getting a Hulk sequel. Yeah, <laughs> this is almost the first time in the post credits where they go. You know what? Actually, we don't need to set up another film. Just We've got audience. this really well established universe. Yeah. Just have something, yeah. and then just enjoy it. Just a little thirty second yeah. tidbit at the end of it, now, yeah. isn't it? With them, and again, it does link into the director's past because that sort of thing happens at the end of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yeah. mm. where you have Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer telling the audience to go home. If they don't go home now, they're going to hit the yeah. traffic and stuff <laughs> like that, which is great. Yeah. I love Shane Black. Uh, number 11, Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier, the second Cap film, and it will, this will feel now like a long time since you saw Captain America 1. So I mm. think this film's brilliant, and I'm not saying this is a fanboy of Marvel. Independently, this is almost like a Bourne film. Yeah. It's really yeah. good. It's a really good film. 
yeah, I, it's it, like a standalone film. It does so much. Like you think about these Captain America films, they set everything up. Yeah, for various the different yeah. phases. Yeah, like yeah. this Hydra theme was just underpinned everything of Phase Two. Yeah, um, they get, set up so much in this, and they give so many conflicts. They deal with so many character arcs. Yeah, I think Cap's character arc in this from the first one of Avengers, it puts him in a place so by the end of this movie he's in a completely different place yeah. from what he was at the beginning he seems to develop this like cynical like view on life almost mm, doesn't yeah. he like, he becomes a fugitive doesn't he really yeah exactly mm-hmm. and first mention for Doctor Strange as well in this film yes it yeah. is yeah um, we also get introduced to people like um, Brock Rumlow who becomes uh, Crossbones one of the mm-hmm. Marvel villains from the comics um, he's one of the Hydra agents um, then we see at the end of the post credit sequence um that Hydra, who we see throughout this film, are underground. They have evolved. They have a new leader, who is Baron Strucker, I think yeah, his name is. Right. Yeah, that's right. And he's got Loki's scepter from Avengers. And yeah. they're doing things and with And the Maximoff like, twins as well are there. Like, ooh, yeah. and he says that they're experimenting on people. They're giving them essentially superpowers, um, which is kind of how Marvel bypassed the fact that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are yeah, actually Yeah, you can't X-Men. use the word mutant yeah. because you of copyright. So I like that. Yeah, <laughs> so they, and they use the Loki scepter, which has obviously later on a lot more significance yeah. to the plot and they, they establish that well in there right at the end it's a really important this, this order actually makes sense as well because <coughs> if you take that Captain Marvel got a power from the Scepter it makes sense that the twins would well from the yeah. Tesseract yeah, yeah. 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 From the, yeah. Uh, an Infinity Stone I think yeah. Yeah. and the other thing you think about um, what, I, what I do really like about this actually is that all the office staff from S.H.I.E.L.D. Are the guys that pilot the helicarriers in Age of Ultron yeah. 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 it's yeah. all the same people there which is really nice to see because it shows yeah. that they're not just Extra people on set. hired for yeah. the sake. Yeah. Um, then we go straight into number 12 then, Ben. Avengers Age of Ultron. It's got to be there. Yeah. It's got to follow Cap. Yeah, that makes sense. If you haven't seen Winter Soldier and you don't stay past the credits, you wouldn't really understand what's going on at the beginning of Age of Ultron, I don't think. No, I'd agree. Because mm. it literally picks up where Age of Ultron leaves you. So yeah. where Captain America Winter Soldier leaves you. Um, they've gone after this scepter as the Avengers because they're the only group powerful enough to stop Hydra. They bust Hydra. And they kind of talk in hindsight that they've been busting Hydra for a few months. Yeah. And yeah. they've been looking for the scepter for ages. And now they find it. Stark gets very guilty about, uh, what is it? it's like a premonition that he gets. Yeah, that's Scarlet right. Witch. Scarlet Witch yeah. does it to him, doesn't she? And he then decides to steal the scepter, use it to um, make his Ultron program, which is something Tony's been working on, uh, to make his Iron Man suits work independently with yeah. an AI that controls them all. Interestingly as well, the vision that Scarlet Witch gives Tony sets everything up towards Infinity War. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is why he creates that, like, the equivalent of the bleeding edge armour. Mm. And you can kind of see it, and that's he even references it in Infinity War yeah. when uh, Bruce Banner comes and finds him. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, it's, a, it's a massive film, Age of Ultron. It's one of those films where it's got such pace. It goes at such a pace. Yeah. And you, you watch it thinking, oh, they're going to establish this set the Avengers up again. They're going to set Tony Stark up and explain why Tony Stark's come back. They're going to explain where Captain America's been. They're going to explain that Thor's come back. They don't do any of that. They just no, go straight yeah, they just in. just go for they're it. They're like, we're yeah. going straight in. They're back together. Deal with it. They, they show the destructive force of the Hulk as well yeah, when he's fighting. They do, when yeah. they fight against the Hulkbuster, that's a really, that's <laughs> yeah. arguably the best bit of the film. The Hulkbuster versus Hulk yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah that was wicked. super fan service, but yeah. it was incredible. And... James Spader. Oh, yeah. So like, good as Ultron. Ultron himself. Yeah, yeah, such a good voice, such a, a, a commanding presence for someone who isn't actually in the room. Yeah. yeah. It, it, <laughs> well, he is. He did motion yeah, capture. He did motion yeah, capture, did but, like... Have you seen his motion capture suit, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's it's essentially... It's him in a green suit, as you would expect, but he has Ultron's eyes 
on two sticks on top of his head so they know <laughs> so, they have, to yeah, so they have a, like a reference point for <laughs> yeah. when they're looking into that his eyes brilliant. it looks so weird to see but oh, so funny I'm going to have to google that after this that's great um, I like, yeah this film deals with a lot of things including obviously Ultron building his army up we get them they break open the scepter in this film to reveal the Mind Stone so mm-hmm. that's the fourth that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and again that's the thing that weaves these films together really well and he uses that to build his new body which is stolen by the Avengers and then when Tony puts is it Jarvis that's Jarvis's, right yeah. yeah he puts Jarvis's matrix into the body and that mm. gives birth to Vision so another character from the comics I have a fact about this so Go considering on. the MCU started in 2008 this was 2015 yeah I think it was something like that 14, 15 this was yeah. the first time that Paul Bettany and Robert Downey Jr. worked on set together in that seven year period because Jarvis was always had a post-production oh, yeah. course, so yeah. this was the first time they ever met in person uh, on the Marvel yeah. set I guess that's great it's weird, isn't it? and he's really good in this yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't have a big role in this film really but his significance to the film is, is massive by yeah. the end and you kind of get a feel for if Ultron did ever get hold of the body how powerful he'd be when you look at what Vision is capable of yeah, yeah. They then do a lot of things to establish what's going to come in phase phase three by that point. Yeah, minute. So yeah, right. after Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, we see Thor's vision of mm-hmm. doom, impending doom. Tony's vision that the Avengers are going to be dead. It's going to be his fault. Thor has the vision that his world will end and all the Asgardians will be dead. And he sees the stones. Isn't it like the stones in the silhouette of Thanos yeah. for the first They're time? The silhouette of a gauntlet, which I have a photo of here for you to have a look ah, at. I found it on the internet. Very true. I like and it. that is when Thor sees all of the four stones that we've seen so far assembled in yeah. space and they're in a makeshift gauntlet looking thing. And then right at the end, post credit scene, Thanos comes back and he says, I'll do it myself. Yeah. Puts his hand in the gauntlet and off he goes, and you're like, "Oh, they're going to do it." They are. The way do of it. continuity is weird because apparently yeah. he forges his own gauntlet. So yeah. I, <laughs> I think it's good though because it's kind of the bit where you go. It's mainly Marvel saying to the fan base, "We're going to do it." Yeah, yeah. We're doing Infinity War because we're definitely going to do it. If now. he has the gauntlet at that point, like you say. How long has Peter Dinklage been without his hands? I don't know. He's been running been around with his club hands. So. Was this the first time Josh Brolin voiced Thanos as well? No, he, he did voice him in Guardians. Ah, I did some research. Yeah, yeah, I forgot he about that. He doesn't voice him at any other point. He's not, obviously, he doesn't speak in Avengers. Yeah, you just see him Brolin like giggle, does, don't you? He does voice him in, in Guardians briefly, and obviously yeah. then he's in the end sequence of, of Age of Ultron. So you've seen him sort of three times now, and Big Purple Man is going to be really important to the plot. 13, going to move swiftly through now because we're running out of time with this podcast, Mm -hmm. Ant-Man. I think Ant-Man's got to be there. He directly sets up after. (laughs) It's a film that exists and I enjoyed it. Best part about it was Louise. Yeah. It's basically a comedy film. It's like a comedy heist film. It's totally different tonally from all the other films, which I think, again, I like that they've branched out a little bit with their It was like a phase one film. Yeah, Yeah, it did. It felt very new, fresh. I like the origin film. I thought it, like... it kind of counterbalances Age of Ultron really well because mm, course, it's such yeah. a dark film, like yeah. tonally, but Ant-Man's just really jovial and great and having a good time, so... I'm going to go to 14 then. Yeah. Captain America, Civil War. It's another big one. It's basically Avengers 2.5. Yeah. Because it's the one where they all get together and by the end of the movie they've all sort of broken up. Yeah. And it's great. I love that film. I think it's, I think it's really cool. It introduces Tony Stank. Yeah, very true. (laughs) What that film serves for really is that it puts the Avengers in a vulnerable space by the end of the movie, which is what you don't want when something bad's going to happen. And obviously Hulk and Thor aren't in this because we catch up with them later, but everyone else is pretty much in this. 
What I really like about this as well is that you've got Baron Zemo in the background, but really he's not the villain. Yeah. No, he's, he's just a, he's just a, a plot device, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's, yeah. he's just an incredibly lucky, angry person. Yeah. Like, he's what you hope you will be if you write a letter to the council. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want to be that lucky that your letter gets yeah. to the right person and finds <laughs> I, I wanted to just say before we get through this one that Civil War kind of had to be 14 because if you remember at the end of Ant-Man, Ant-Man ends with... The Falcon looking for Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He says, I'm looking for a man who can shrink for my mission. And the mission we find out is they've got Winter Soldier. Yeah. And right. Summit Bad's going to go down with Iron Man. And that's yeah. when they all start fighting each other. Uh, we also get introduced to, uh, finally introduced to Black Panther after loads of, loads and loads of setups for Wakanda. We've met his villain. Um, mm-hmm. And we've, what's his name? Who steals the vibranium? Yeah, Ulysses Claw. 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 Yeah. What a great villain. We met that him was. in Ultron. We met, we, we find out how he lost his arm. Yeah. We meet all the. We, Ultron uses vibranium to yeah. his own body. And I, they set all that up, but you never met Black Panther until this film. So this is off on a tangent a little bit, but I, I was reading this a couple of days ago. There is a direct reference throughout the entire Phase 2 to what they branded as the fa- the second phase of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Loads of people lose. I think it's the left hand. So Thor loses the left hand. Yeah. Nebula loses the left hand. Claw loses his left hand. And it's all a reference to, uh, to The Empire Strikes Back with Skywalker losing his. This one is kind of, this film does kind of do a lot to set up lots of other characters. It's got a very, at the end of it, it's a personal story. It's basically yeah. Tony versus, versus uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers. And then at the end of that movie, we've basically kind of splintered our Avengers into factions and into places. Yeah. And I'm going to jump away from that into 15. I'm putting Black Panther at 15 because it kind of picks up straight after. Yeah, directly after yeah. on the way Civil back. Civil War. Um, T'Challa, Black Panther's heading back to Wakanda after the events of Civil War. And then that film sort of builds around villains from both previous films in Claw yeah. and a new villain who I think is his cousin who comes back to claim the throne yeah, from him. And the storyline from Lion King. And the storyline from Lion King. <laughs> but it is, I think it's like an African James Bond. It's such a cool, yeah, suave, really slick as well, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's a great film. It's got a good soundtrack. It's got some good actors in it. It's just yeah. solid. It's a solid blockbuster. And it went to the Oscars. So yeah. Yeah. what more can you say about it, really? It is incredible. Like, such a good film. I honestly, I think... I went in with no expectation, by the way. Or a little expectation. Yeah, I thought it, it was going to be okay. It's, it's whether you believe necessary. the hype with it, isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah. I think the thing, the only, and this is really nitpicking, the only downside for me with Black Panther is that, and spoiler alert, but Claw was killed off. If Claw was still alive, because he was so good. Yeah, yeah he It's was. just that he really scene was, where he's he? singing in the chair in that uh, CIA <laughs> hold-up. Like, it was fantastic. It's so good. Yeah, he, weirdly intimidating as well. He's my favourite character. My second favourite character is uh, Blank, Black Panther's sister. Yes, sure. yeah. He, she's so good. Yeah. She's... she's the, the banter they have between yeah, one yeah, another. It's, cool. it's proper brother-sister stuff. It's <laughs> I'm gonna, great. I'm going to shift us on to yeah. 16. I've put... Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. virtually at the same time as Black Panther, this takes place, according to what I've read. So apparently this is 2016. Yeah, this is like this is where the timeline got like massively yeah. skewed yeah, with, didn't it, it? And blown out of proportion. It's supposed to be around that same time that Black Panther was doing his thing in Wakanda, mm-hmm. Parker's fighting a vulture in New York. Yeah. And that starts out with a really cool sequence where you see Toombs and his men cleaning up after the Avengers, after what's happened in New York had yeah. happened. And then it jumps into the future, into the present, with... Vulture is now salvaging alien technology from all the previous Marvel films. Yeah. Which is such yeah. a nice way of setting up Spider-Man's world. Because we know that there's loads of complex villains in Spider-Man that have loads of cool tech. Yeah. And they've kind of gone, we're not going to try and make that up. We're just going to yeah. say they've just stolen it from all these other yeah. films. Yeah. Which is great. I think that's it, wicked. It is cool. And uh, just Tombs 
himself is the villain, not the vulture, which yeah. I like. Yeah. He, he's more menacing That's in that him. car. Than he is. Keaton's got that locked down. He's brilliant. Don't ever go out with a girl whose dad is. Oh, oh, Michael. (laughs) Yeah, oh, Michael Keaton. (laughs) (laughs) This is where they really get that creative freedom for the villains, though, isn't it? This is where they start to come into their own and have a real personality between them. When you think about a superhero film, and there's been so many Spider Man films, Mm. they both nailed that. That film is, for me, has been nailed. It's brilliant. And they do the best rendition of Parker. But I think they also do, in the Vulture and Tombs, a better villain than the hero. He's yeah. actually better than Parker. Yeah. And more interested in Tombs than I am in Parker by yeah. the end of that film. Passively, yeah. it does a lot to set up the Sinister Six. You've got Vulture, you've got Shocker, and you've got Scorpion, Introduced, which yeah. is half yeah. a lineup there. Yeah. And they're just passive characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, number 17, I had to put it here because I couldn't think of anywhere else to put it. I put Guardians 2 here. Mm-hmm. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, so you've gone from high school to space again. We yeah. go back to space, <laughs> cosmic <sense>. powers, <laughs> raccoon tree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it sort of it doesn't really do much to the wider plot, but it kind of has yeah. to be here. Uh, Peter's father, you find out, has celestial ego, and he does his yeah. thing, and then there's a big ego. Such a good villain in the that, comics yeah. as well. I think they did really well with him. I yeah. think it's a great film. Yeah. I don't think it's. I mean, it's not as high up the list as the others, but I do think it's solid on yeah. its own. It, it works really well as a It introduces sequel. David Hasselhoff and Mary Poppins, y'all. It does, and it <laughs> sets up uh, characters <laughs> like Mantis as yeah, well. Yeah, a, a semi-comi-accurate Yondu. Yeah. And it makes... Dra- Drax is the star of it. He's oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Wicked. He's incredible. It's just like the... Oh, that's where that kind of weird humour starts, where yeah. like, we don't... We don't... We take everything literally. What is it? Nothing goes over my head. Have we all got our fingers crossed for oh, yeah. the, the, the next James Gunn project? <laughs> Number 18, Doctor yeah. Strange. Nice. Um, has to go somewhere as well. I love this. It's a, It's again, it's more like a phase one film. It kind mm. of sets up another character that we have to, I guess it's sort of, they have to get him in there because not only is he a massive character in Marvel's history, Yeah. he's also incredibly powerful. Yeah. He's got a massive lineage with Marvel and he has to be there for what's going to come next. And yeah. they, they needed a bigger douchebag than Tony Stark. Yes. And he is that character, isn't yeah. he? And especially in the beginning. Yeah. Where, you like know, a selfish, rich brat. They, they, they did the best they could to fix you. I could have fixed me better. <laughs> sort yeah. of scene, yeah. He is a bit of a prat, isn't yeah. he? When you think um, about it. His character arc in the film Doctor Strange is really good and, yeah. and Gumberbatch is it's fantastic in it. I think arguably Tilda Swinton outshines him in it. I think Tilda Swinton's brilliant. Yeah, she is good. But she There was a lot riding on her shoulder, though, because there was obviously this controversy yeah. around whitewashing and stuff like that. Yeah, because it was supposed to be an Asian... Yeah, an old Asian actor, man. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was in the comics, yeah. yeah. Um, she's Celtic, and she's immortal. Yeah. Um, I like that. I love this film. I think this film uh, is one of my favourite characters. So for me, it had to be good, and there was a lot riding on it. Um, uh, best most creative ending to a Marvel film to that point I think yeah. and with the Dorma movie because yeah, he never yeah. actually defeats the villain no. Like, no he just traps him he just annoys him yeah. he, like, he proves how much of a douchebag he is <laughs> by annoying the villain to, annoys to the him into submission so. <laughs> feels like a lot of that happens at work <laughs> people annoy me into submission all the time um, so at the end of Strange we see uh, in the post-credit scene, Thor visits the Sanctum and mm-hmm. asks, asks Doctor Strange to help him find his father. You're like, boom, that's a new yeah. start, cool ending. We don't know where Thor's been all this time, but hey, he's on Earth yeah. now. Mm. And then I think Strange says something about why did you bring your brother Loki to Earth? So boom, we know Loki's still yeah. alive. Yeah. We know they're going to get back together. And this leads us into 19, Thor Ragnarok. 
I think this is my favourite Marvel film. Oh, really? I was going to wait for the end to ask you that, that, so that's cool. That's fine. I I think this is my my favourite as well. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, And most Marvel films tend to be summed up by... How many times I can quote something and not get yeah. bored of it, and yeah. if I can do it a lot, if I can say I know him, he's a friend from work, yeah. <laughs> over and over again, it's one of my favourite films. Yeah. I love that. It's the first film as well that was like I think it's something like seventy percent of it is just unscripted. Yeah. It's just Chris Hemsworth and Taika Waititi just being daft with each other, and it works so well. I think so that good. film shows you that you can give someone creative freedom of a multi-million-dollar yeah. blockbuster. And it yeah. can pay off, and Who's, I think that they need to trust in their directors a hell of a lot more. Which now yeah. they've rehired James Gunn as well. Yeah. After sacking him, you can tell that Disney have gone. We need to look at this yeah. because this film made a lot of money yeah. and it's become very popular. And we put a lot of eggs in that basket, but it ultimately paid off for them. Yeah. It was a really big risk, I think, hiring someone like Taika to do a film that big. Yeah, he hadn't done anything that big. Never. No, it's all like what we do in the shadows and stuff yeah. like that. But mm. interestingly, I was I was listening to an interview with him. I think it might have been on Jonathan Ross or something like that yeah. and he referenced it and he basically just rung up Chris Hemsworth and went what do you want to do with him and he went well can I not sit in the makeup chair for however long so he went that's alright we'll cut his hair early on so <laughs> but it's just I weird like, yeah great. apparently he just rung up Chris Hemsworth and went we need to do something with this character what do you want to do and they were like well let's just kind of go off the top and see what happens and yeah. they just have really good back and forth yeah. between them it's the best though Oh yeah, 100%. yeah, he's also the best in it yeah. as a character and yeah. as an actor. You can tell it's just fun. You can tell yeah. everyone in it's having a ball. Yeah, yeah they um, really enjoyed working on it. Didn't the they? whole cast is brilliant. Uh, Kate Blanchett's brilliant. Um, Goldblum's brilliant. Yeah, there's not any of Tessa uh, Tessa Thompson. Yeah, in it. She's yeah, brilliant. What Virtually fun. stole the. Marvel film with the best soundtrack title yeah. as well from Guardians, I think, because like, originally Lights Guardians was like, all the way yeah, through. So. It's great. Yeah, it was very much, you could tell that they've looked at Guardians and gone, these films are really successful. How can yeah. we make Thor like that? Mm. And then you've got The Hulk. Yeah. Again, so better good. Hulk. Yeah. I, I didn't realise how much of this is taken from Planet Hulk, because Meek's in there, Korg's in there, yeah. even the, the Planet Sakaar, all part of that, and it's just yeah. because Universal won't give the rights of the Hulk back. So yeah. they have to make it Crazy. through Thor. Yeah. Um, number 20 then. It ends, Thor ends with Sanctuary 2, Thanos' ship. Yeah. Shadowing, casting a huge shadow over Thor's ship at the mm-hmm. end of Thor Ragnarok, which is why I thought you have to start Infinity War straight after you've watched Ragnarok. Yeah. Because it goes downhill mm-hmm. very quickly for Thor and his friends. Yeah, it really does. Like mm. I, <laughs> Infinity War is just something else. Yeah, yeah like, it really is, isn't it? I, some, like, I, 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 come, I was thinking the other week when I watched uh, Rogue One, Star Wars, yeah. uh, Rogue One, I find the first, it's such a, I have such mixed feelings with this film because the first <laughs> hour of it is really boring and I can't yeah. be bothered with it. Mm. But then it kicks off and everything's really great. Yeah. And I, I kind of live for that in film. And Infinity War, you're just in from yeah. the Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's non stop. Yeah. It starts yeah. and it doesn't yeah. stop. They and, don't care if you've not seen any of the other films. Exactly. They don't pander to anything like that. It's, it's great. It's literally they, told from the perspective of we know you're all strapped in. Yeah. You've all been to see the, and again, we're doing this, this podcast. You've seen 19 films going to drop you in Infinity War. If you haven't seen the first 19 films, get out. do not matter. It's amazing. Like, I, I, I mean, we saw it at midnight, didn't we? we? Did, yeah, we did. I remember true. leaving the cinema at 3am just feeling so kind of, like, just elated by it all because of how intense it was yeah. all the way through. Yeah. And it's just such a good film. It is solid, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Solid as an Infinity Stone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the film where we finally get all of our stones. Obviously, Doctor Strange, we didn't really talk about it, but Strange introduces the Time Stone 
which is the fifth one. Mm. And by the time we get to Infinity War, we finally find out, and with Thanos and the audience, all find out where this Soul Stone is hidden. And the Soul Stone in the movie does very little, which we assume is going to be something we're going to talk about in, in Endgame. Maybe it'll get brought up in the next one. Yeah. But my God, what a film. Yeah. It's Thanos's mercy mission uh, to assemble all six stones into his gauntlet, snap 50% of all life in the universe out of existence, and he wants to do that to save the universe. Yeah. Because uh, he thinks the universe is on the brink of collapse because life has grown out of control. But it is just a romp, isn't it? It's yeah. mental how big this he, film is. He, he's a more determined Zemo. Yeah. Because yeah. effectively, all yeah. all they would have to do to stop this film from happening is the kid would have to protect the wizard. Yeah. If the kid protected the wizard... <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and that was it, game over. Um, and then obviously 21, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which came out just after Infinity War. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to watch it here. I guess you could watch it before Infinity War, but it wouldn't really make a lot of sense to do that. Yeah, because it's all set. It's, set. it's adjacent to it, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah, like, and it's set. And then obviously at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp gives us another big setup for what's going to come in, in the next one. Yeah, um, the quantum realm. And we have this idea that, yeah, Scott Lang's gone to the quantum realm to get energy from the quantum realm and is stranded in there when Thanos clicks his bloody fingers and everyone disappears. Mm. So I love this, and I think that it's a really cool way that they kind of... They did the film independently of, of all the other films. Yeah. They made a sequel to Ant-Man, which is really cool, really strong. It's not the strongest film, but I do think it is ultimately... It's a good laugh. It's a good. It's good fun. I like. I think it's got some really stylish action sequences yeah. as well. Like Evangeline Lilly is amazing as yeah. the Wasp. Yeah. Like just the way that they integrate like the shrinking. Well. Yeah. yeah. The way they integrate like the shrinking technology and stuff like that into the fights is amazing. And I think a big part of Ant-Man and the Wasp is they're going to have to do this to say there's a lot more going on in this quantum realm. Yeah. But pause because we've not made it all yet. And I think there's going to be more to come in the next yeah. ones. I've not seen it. Have you not? But my understanding of it place in the universe is Ant-Man and the Wasp is as a film what Coulson was to the team in the first Avengers mm. it's sort of like the thing you don't notice yeah. you don't care about yeah. and then it becomes a much more important part yeah. well someone said to me and obviously number 22 for everyone that hasn't got with the picture yet is mm. Endgame which comes out at the end of this month which is the whole reason we're doing this <laughs> podcast um, Endgame as a phrase is something that's used in chess apparently used to describe when a pawn, the sort of smallest insignificant piece on the board, can go from one side of the uh, chessboard to the other without being hindered because other characters or other pieces will yeah. sacrifice themselves to get the small pawn to the far side of the chessboard. Once you get to the far side of the chessboard, what can you do? Yeah. You can bring something back. Yeah. That's what you get. When you get to the end of the chessboard, if you've lost a piece, you can bring it back. And they and apparently the Russos know this, and yeah. the whole reason behind Endgame is that the tiny person, the tiny piece, will go to the end of the board and that's going to reset everything. Yeah. And I thought, oh! So if I've just ruined the film, I do apologise. It's purely speculation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like that that is yeah, apparently where, where this, yeah. this idea that Ant-Man is so significant that he is literally the smallest character. Yeah. But he could like a literal, one, Yeah, like a literal yeah. kind of thing. To he it. could yeah. be one of the most significant characters going forward in yeah. this next film. And they've set the world up so wonderfully that now when we all go and sit down to watch Endgame, I think that there's so much riding on this film, but at the same time, there's so many elements that have already been beautifully set up. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll have the same kind of... It'll have the same effect as... Or the the same kind of theme as Infinity War, where there's just no exposition needed. It's just going to throw you in. You've seen everything. You're up to speed. If you're not, just leave and be done with it. Yeah. You happy with my list? 
Yeah, I'm going to put the list up on Twitter and I'll put it on our podcast as well as we introduce this. Uh, so it will be in the, if you scroll down on your podcast, it will be at the bottom of the descriptions if you want to follow our list. Um, do have a look at the 21, uh, well, I say 22 films that we've put in that list to watch leading up to Avengers Endgame. If you do watch the list in this order and before Endgame comes out, uh, let us know and I'll try and find some legitimate way of giving you an Achievement Unlocked logo or something. <laughs> I don't know, because when this podcast comes out potentially next week, what day are we on now? We're filming this on a we- we're recording this on a Wednesday and we're hoping to have it out by Saturday. Yeah. So if you're listening to this on Saturday... You've probably got about ten days, which is impressive because yeah. that's that's two that's like two and a bit films a day. So, yeah. um, so I'm going to do five facts before we wrap up this podcast. Yeah. Um, five facts that I've got. First one that I found, which was really cool, um, the Wasp. So the wife of Ant Man, who we establish in Ant Man and in Ant Man and the Wasp, um, is a pivotal character in the creation of the Avengers because she literally in the comics came up with the name the Avengers. But this was moved out of the films, and they yeah. set up the Wasp much later. Similar to the way that Hank Pym sets up, Hank Pym actually invents Ultron Trump, yeah. in the yeah. comics, but in the movies, he comes after Ultron. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's a strange decision. So that was my Wasp fact. Um, <laughs> Iron Man's suit has changed with the times. As you notice, the original suit can be shown being plugged into wall sockets for being charged up. <laughs> <laughs> This sounds less less futuristic and military, but more like a cell phone. Uh, all technological advancements come since Iron Man 3 and then with the bleeding edge armor as well. So I thought that was quite fun. That yeah. That's like a cool fact that they changed that. Another fact. Yeah. <laughs> the Avengers. Uh, in the Avengers, Mark Ruffalo mentions a botched suicide, which is referenced to what Ben said earlier, where the Incredible Hulk tries to kill himself in the yeah. Arctic and it fails and the Hulk stops him from shooting himself. Uh, and this was something that was cut from 2008's Incredible Hulk. Yeah, apparently it was too dark, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, another fact, Jarvis, the name of Iron Man's AI assistant, is an acronym. Yeah, is it just a rather very intelligent system? system? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a rather very intelligent system. Brilliant. I love that. I didn't, never knew that until I started reading this. I thought it was really cool. Um while Tony Stark is the uh, known as the richest superhero in the Avengers, he really isn't. Oh, I know this. That <laughs> honour actually goes to Black Panther, who is apparently worth five times as much as Tony yeah, Stark. Brilliant. He's the king of Wakanda, for God's sake. Um, I like that. I'll see if I can find one more fact for you before we go. Um, when the Red School finds a Tesseract in Captain America's first Avenger, he mentions that the Fuhrer Adolf Hitler is too busy digging in the yes. desert for trinkets. This is a direct reference to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the Nazis are digging up trinkets in the desert looking for the Lost Ark. Nice. I, I love that. I have one from the Winter Soldier, Ooh, which is Nick Fury's gravestone after he's been buried, reads the line, it's the one from Pulp Fiction, which I've got it written down, the path of the righteous man. So love that's that. Samuel L. Jackson's quote from Pulp nice. Fiction is on, uh, is Nick, it really? yeah, on Nick Fury's gravestone oh, in uh, Winter Soldier. It's little brilliant. things like that that are so good. Uh, yeah. I have got one more before we go on to our next little bit before we wrap up. Um, this was on Brock Rumlow. So the character that Brock Rumlow from, um, he's in Civil War and he's in Winter yeah. Soldier, isn't yeah. he? And he plays Crossbones in Civil War. Um, in S.H.I.E.L.D., when they're fighting in S.H.I.E.L.D. In, in Captain America Winter Soldier, he takes off his bulletproof vest to fight the Falcon and if you look carefully when he takes it off, he has two rows of like straps on his suit mm. that go in a cross around his body. And that's to give you a little hint that he's, he's going to be cross bones. Uh. He takes off his bulletproof vest to reveal the cross on his chest. 
I thought it was really cool. And it's a it's a direct like a, a thing they deliberately put in there to go, he's gonna become crossbones later. I have one little thing that I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. James Gunn provided Vin Diesel with an actual script. Not only he saw it, so yeah. nobody else saw it, with actual words in English. That's and he just had to translate it to I am Groot. <laughs> that's that so good. <laughs> that's how much thought and attention goes into these films. Oh, he just made oh him gosh. a script that only Vin Diesel's seen and nobody else has seen it. And it was to help him put motion into I am Groot. That is right. cool. Before we wrap up then, yeah. I'm going to do the jingle, James. It's the shit merchandise competition of the week. Go on. I have one on request. Ben's Let me got find one, it for you. I've not actually got one, so I'm hoping James has got one. I've um, got one. Oh, I've lost it. Wait, it's loading. Uh, I have um, an action figure, which is a, a knockoff. Um, this was filled, uh, This apparently was released around the time of Age of Ultron, called Revengers Endless Tussle. So it's a good start. <laughs> I think and I've heard of this. The action figure is what you could describe, or the picture is some kind of love child of John Cena and the Hulk, and it's the incredible fella, which is that. <laughs> So, so we'll, and, uh, we'll definitely put that on our. Can you save that? Yeah, we'll put yeah. that on our Twitter. And the Hulk looks like a Lego man. Brilliant, love that, James. Mine might be tricky to share on Twitter. Okay. My shit merchandise of the week actually appears in Iron Man Two. <laughs> There's a moment when one of the the robots is about to shoot a kid wearing the most awful Iron Man helmet. <laughs> it's that helmet. It doesn't even look like anything. That's apparently Peter Parker, isn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes, that, that's the rumour, isn't it? That is the rumour that it's supposedly yeah. Peter Parker. Because it's set in Peter Parker's village, Queens, his district. Yeah, Queens. his village, the village of <laughs> the, New York. I was going to say <laughs> the rather large village. <laughs> I was going to say it was set in the village, which is a part of New York. Yeah. And, it's, and it's not, it's actually Queensborough, so I forgot. No, but I've been to Queens. So yeah. I, I've actually been to the park where they do all that Iron Man 2 stuff. It's, but that, uh, that is a terrible bit of merch. I love that. Tony can do better. Yeah, I think I'd the Incredible Fella's going to win for me. Yeah. I think that's the best thing I've seen for ages. It's <laughs> <laughs> really weird. Yeah, <laughs> they have some other ones in the lineup. Um, there was uh, Regular Raccoon, which is just a toy of a raccoon. And there was, I think they called him Fedora Jed. But the best bit was with Fedora Jed, you didn't get Jed included. You just got a fedora and a trench coat. So. <laughs> Right, well, Ben, thank you for coming along no, to this thank you Avengers for having me. Uh, Infinity Saga special episode. I really appreciate that input, and it's made it a little bit more fun for me and James, isn't it? It's a bit of a yeah. change. Also a change of Harry Potter, which begrudgingly we will be going back to at some point next week. There are more films. <laughs> We're halfway through now, so we might as well do it. But we are going to be doing more of these specials, so if anyone wants anything particular looking at, we'll do a franchise, we'll do a special where we will just literally do that franchise for one episode, which I think is cool. Whilst we do, obviously, our in-depth episodes as well. So uh, please do uh, subscribe to us on our podcast app uh, and just follow us on Facebook. Sorry, on Twitter, because we need more followers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that number going up makes me happy. Uh, just so go to Twitter. It. It's at Do The Franchise. Tweet us, like us, follow us, and we'll follow you back. And, uh, please Probably. listen. Listen. And listen to us. Yeah. That's crazy. usually an integral part, I'm told. But yeah. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> we found that we're really bad at plugging this podcast, so we're going to keep trying our hardest in the, in the next few months. Ironically, we plug this podcast more during the podcast than we do outside <laughs> of the podcast, <laughs> which is kind of counterintuitive. It the object a little bit, because you need to be here to listen to subscribe. <laughs> right, Ben, James, I'm going to the pub. <laughs> okay. See you later, guys. So, see, you. see you later. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.